Welcome to the Greener Way podcast, a show about people, planet, and purpose, and how investors and corporate leaders push forward in a complex world. We're joined by Julia Lesky, head of ESG Australia, New Zealand at ISS ESG. ISS owns both ISS ESG and ISS Media, which is the publisher of FS Sustainability in the Greener Way. So that makes Julia one of my extended colleagues. Welcome to the Greener Way, Julia. Thank you, Rachel. Great to be here. Excellent. Well, today, Julia, we're talking about ISS ESG's recent Global Thought Leadership Report, Actionable Insights. Uh, There's a really interesting specific section on Australia and New Zealand uh, that you and your colleagues wrote about. So I think we're really interested in sharing some of these insights uh, with our listeners. So Julia, can we start off? Can you just give us a little bit of background on ISS ESG, the report, and how it should be used? Yes, sure. Um, So At ISS ESG, what we do is we provide data and analytics on ESG, environmental, social governance topics to institutional um, investors. We do this across a range of different topics and themes from ESG ratings through to climate data and information, um, stewardship offerings and so on. Once a year, what we do is we get our brightest and smartest heads together to talk about and think about what are main issues and topics that might be coming up for investors in the next 12 months. Um, it doesn't need to be topics that we we talk about every day right now. It's really about trying to get out the crystal ball and say, what will be something that will be emerging that we should alert, start alerting our clients and um, people more generally interested in responsible investment to sharpen their minds on, on specific topics. Sometimes, topics come out that we have talked about the last 12 months because they will just become even more important or um, more to the point um, in the next 12 months. Mm-hmm. But sometimes there's also quite interesting new angles um, that that um, investors might want to start thinking about. We have a um, global report um, where we look into it, ha- take a more global lens, so really looking into topics that will overarchingly address be looked at across the globe for um, investors in the responsible investment space. We then also take a regional approach um, where we really think about, because there are some nuances in each of the regions that we work with clients, where different topics and themes might come up. And I'm very glad that we maintain one of the regions to be Australia and New Zealand, where we're allowed to really take a bit more of a Australia-New Zealand lens on ESG issues and topics that will be discussed and that we can see as a local team might be of interest um, in the next 12 months. With that in mind as sort of the context, Julia, um, what are the most important insights from Australia and New Zealand? In Australia and New Zealand, we see that public and private sectors are responding in various ways to challenges of um, providing adequate insurance and in particular in the face of climate change. We've seen increasing impact of weather events uh, in Australia, also in New Zealand, sadly, earlier this year. And this is a debate that will only start keep increasing in our region. Then another big topic on the cards for Australia is definitely the voice to parliament and how that may permeate through into corporate and um, in investor discussions and regulation as well. In addition to that, where we're also seeing at industry level, one of the big challenges, and but also we see an opportunity in there, is um, aligning our infrastructure with broader sustainability goals. 
Okay. So those are three very chunky, very deep topics. Um, I think um, let's focus on insurance and uh, uninsurable assets and infrastructure first and save the First Nations discussion to the end and uh, for our listeners. Um, so when you're talking about insurance risk and uninsurable assets, Julia, how does that tend to play out specifically in the Australia-New Zealand um, context? I mean, obviously we've seen um, unbelievable natural disasters in both countries. Is it a time now for for investors to look at their asset, uh, the the portfolio companies, and say, look, there's parts of your assets that are no longer um, insurable? Yes, I mean we we already have a lot of our investor clients looking into physical risks in, associated with their investments, mm-hmm. and I think that's not a new de- mm-hmm. debate, but it's definitely going to be of greater focus as we're seeing these weather events playing out. And I think there's there's really two interesting aspects to it. The very first one is understand your assets, understand the physical risks that they might be exposed to, but then also try to understand what it means more broadly for the insurance sector, how we will be structured, how will insurance approach different areas and different um, spheres. And then also what does it mean for those communities where we may start to see uninsurable or unaffordable insurance. One of the the interesting pieces to to this debate is as well is is it traditionally insurance we're seeing it as a pooled product we're saying okay we're pooling all the different risk categories into one pool and then everyone is insured against these events. This is changing. Mm-hmm. We're seeing quite sophisticated risk modeling being applied to different areas and um if you I mean on a private level, it might be a bit easier to understand and associate with it. If you own a house in a flood-prone area, your insurance costs will go up based on that specific location analysis. And we've also seen some moves where certain insurance companies have said, we're not going to continue to insure in these areas until governments step in to provide certain protections um, for those communities or imply certain rules. So there's a quite interesting insurance debate going on in the background. Um, A lot of claims are still up in the air. How do we really protect private and public and company assets from these impacts? We have seen certain operations being impacted already by weather events. So what does that mean in terms of mine sites needing to pause operations for certain days or weeks to deal with flood events, um, potential environmental consequences, and who's then responsible for that and picking up the costs for these issues. They're, they're all things that, that will be considered and will need to be considered. And then I suppose as well, there's um, sort of risks around physical risks uh, and Im- how it impacts on communities and how it uh, impacts on the ability of providers to get into those communities themselves as another layer to, to layer on top yes, of it. Yes, yes. I mean, it's it's not an easy one <laughs> to solve, no. but it's definitely one that, that we, we want to see that we have an active conversation about with investors and that investors are starting to think through that because... I think just those examples show how quickly it can can become quite complex and it will Mm. require a lot of time to analyze and properly understand, engage uh, with companies or with regulators, broader insurance, reinsurance companies and so on. It's a quite complex issue for investors to address and to understand or 
have multiple approaches to address it as well, because I don't think it's as easy as saying we're going to step away from these companies. In some cases, it might be Mm -hmm. the decision, but in other cases, there needs to be a range of um, responsible investment tools applied um, in these cases. Mm. And um, I think we're still at the beginning of understanding where are the risks in a portfolio. And only then you can Mm -hmm. start thinking about how do we start to address them. So now infrastructure, Julia, this seems like a space um, where things are moving very quickly um, when it comes to changes in government policy, like rewiring the nation, um, alignment to net zero outcomes and sustainable outcomes. What what, what were some of the things that stood out to you, uh, both in Australia and in New Zealand, uh, when it comes to the infrastructure sector? It's it's a really interesting mixed bag because I think traditionally we have quite um, resource intense remote infrastructure projects um, where we're also seeing some aging happening and they at the same time there's the opportunity as we have new investments, new approaches and new views taken that we can really renew and um, re-replace with a lot of sustainability principles in mind. I think we're definitely seeing a lot of encouragement around um, the climate piece. There's a lot of pressure now um, from the government as well as from the industry, um, as in from the investment industry. Um, to really start looking into our climate impacts when it comes to infrastructure, infrastructure development, um, and um, where we put or prefer to put the funds and where where funds should be flowing Mm -hmm. to. But then Mm -hmm. there's also increasing debates around um, when we finance infrastructure, what other aspects are important um, around more social principles and community impacts and um, where where this this will be taken. And I know from conversations, again, with some of our investor clients, that there's increasingly emphasis to focus ESG resources on those infrastructure projects in terms of understanding what is going on there from a um, ESG perspective, understanding what can be done and what should be done, and how can investors apply a more in-depth analysis to those projects in then um, really helping steer them into a more sustainable direction. And then finally, Julia, as we were sort of talking earlier in the episode, um, the focus on First Nations people. Um, what are you highlighting there? And and given you know what went into writing this report and the, the sort of the momentum of the conversation around uh, the vote on the referendum voice to parliament, uh, how is this playing out as particularly a business and an investor impact? Yes. Yeah, so, but, I mean, the the voice to parliament is is really interesting in 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 terms of it's it's been on the cards for a long time. It's now being um, taken to a referendum later in the year. It's really come out of the Uluru Statement of the Heart in 2017 within a range of reform proposals to improve the lives of First Nations people in Australia. While the current proposal is that the Voice to Australia will be an advisory and consultative body to be enshrined in the Australian institution, uh, constitution, um, the establishment of the Voice really will bring heightened attention for those who are legislating within Australia to consider 
mm-hmm. impacts on First Nations people. And that will, in mm-hmm. time, permeate through into different types of legislation that will govern corporate and investor responses, um, implementations of reporting of infrastructure development, as we talked just about mm-hmm. it, about um, mm-hmm. and, and different areas where projects and ac- corporate actions impact on First Nations people on the ground. And this will mean that investors, and we, again, as we're talking with our clients, we can already see heightened attention and demand for better understanding. What mm. does it mean within our portfolio? What are the things we should be watching out for? Where are the areas of risk in relation to First Nations people that we should be aware of? This is related to existing allegations and controversies, but also what do we know about commitments that companies have made? Where do they stand and what are they doing? And um, this is something that will be increasingly important and there will be increased attention towards that. And Mm. I think we can also see that in the recent recommendations that were given by the Australian um, Australian Sustainable Sustainable Finance Finance Institute. Institute. I'm sorry. Um, having it is, I wanted to avoid to use the jargon, so apologies about <laughs> me stumbling there. But um, so we can we can certainly see in the taxonomy of recommendations, and it's not yet written into any law, any um, actual industry standard. But we can, it's, I think, it's fair enough to assume that um, there do no significant harm criteria. There is an expectation that investors will start addressing impacts on um, cultural heritage as a very, very minimum. Um, so this mm. will be, and, and I think this is sort of one of the first indications and the voice to parliament also bring along that expectation in the broader debate. And it it's definitely lifting in significance in the broader responsible investment debate and the way that investors Mm. are looking at their portfolios, wanting to understand them, and then um, we'll also start acting on it. Um, So again, Mm. we'll probably see an increase on engagement activities, potentially um, exclusion or at least risk flagging activities, um, Mm. and then conversations around this topic. I think that conversation point, just as we're coming to a close here, Julia, I think that's a real sleeper issue. Um, it's I, I've been listening to some very interesting conversations um, by businesses who are thinking about their role as an information broker and a source of education for their employees and their communities, um, not to influence uh, people's votes or not even to, you know, I know they're weighing up whether businesses will publicly back the voice, but their role as institutions for their uh, employees to provide sources of information that can assist people to make um, a decision without, you know, disinformation or sort of overly emotive language on either side. And that role, I think, is something very interesting for companies to explore from that social license to operate. So definitely a watch this space for both of us, isn't it? Yes, definitely. And um, I think when we were talking about it before, before it's just these, it might seem at first, sort of, a, if you look at it from afar, it's like, well, this is a political issue. This is a referendum. Mm-hmm. This is something where people mm-hmm. should be voting on and 
of course, it's it's about their own personal mm-hmm. opinion and um, decision. But these mm-hmm. debates are increasingly coming into the corporate debate. And we've seen this very strongly in the marriage equality debate and discussions where we've mm-hmm. had a lot of corporates really jumping into this um, that five, ten years ago, most corporates would have said, no, this is nothing for us to to touch or to to influence. And um, I think it will be something that will start to come into this corporate debate and there will be some corporates that will be looked to or brands and um, public mm-hmm. um, facing um, um, business leaders, they, they will be asked about where do you sit in this debate on this campaign and what does this mean for your business and how do you address these issues in your business? So I, I do believe that this will become a much broader debate where um, corporate Australia and through that um, investing Australia will be brought into and we do need to make sure that the information is there and that um, there is a way to position yourself somewhere Mm -hmm. in this debate. At least it should be a conscious thing. I always say it doesn't really matter what where you end up landing, but be sure you're aware of it and it becomes a conscious response and an informed response. Agreed. Well, Julia Lesky, thank you so much for joining us here at The Greener Way. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here. Thanks for listening to The Greener Way podcast. If you liked today's show, remember to rate and review us on your podcast platform and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Any feedback? Contact us on podcast at fssustainability.com.au. I'm Rachel Allen Backus. The Greener Way podcast is a product of FS Sustainability, a show about people, the planet, and investing in our collective future. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. The Greener Way podcast gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by discussing numerous financial sustainable options and our featured guests. It is not intended as a substitute for professional, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of The Greener Way are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. FS Sustainability operates under an Australian Financial Service License and the exemption made available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect to any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the FS Sustainability website, fssustainability.com.au.